Hello, and welcome to episode 144 of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I am an associate professor at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where, amongst other things, I talk about, read about, write about, dream about, <laughs> video games, video games, and apparently Stardew Valley. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> A lot of things, really. Lots of things, yes. Um, and I am joined tonight uh, by some fabulous co-hosts that include, in order on my screen, Alicia Carabines, Jinx Boyne, and Lee Hibbard. Hey, y'all. I just learned how to say Lee's last name. <laughs> what did you think it was? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> let's not even try it. Hard. <laughs> just make it up. I think I just dropped the hip and I just called you Bard. Like, you like can also class. just call me Bird. I apparently have bird-like tendencies. Oh, we, oh we no, not another one. By his own, he barred. I collect them. Alicia, you did not just say hoisted by his own hibbard. I'm going to throw something at your head. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> terrible, and I'm going to call my parents and tell them that, and they're going to laugh. <laughs> Here to help. Ah. All right. You guys are derailing already. Oh, my God. We'll never get through We're not, There's not even a rail, Sam. There there's no rail. There's no We're rail. so far off the rails. None at all. But... We're going to start with Alicia Carabinas telling us who she is. Oh, um, I'm, I'm um, the, uh, the one who makes really bad puns and also the asshole. And I study rhetoric and composition at Purdue University where I'm pursuing a PhD. Yay. It went from like um to serious. Yeah, from um to serious. Did my best. Very good. Jinx, who are you, darling? I am one half of the Trans Beacon, because I can say that because Lee's here today. Um, uh, I am a graduate from Purdue University with a uh, bachelor's in biomedical engineering and an English minor, and I work at a uh, contract pharmaceutical company where I do um, work as a technical service associate. Yes. Yay. And Lee, who are you, sir? Who am I? I'm the other half of the Trans Beacon. Woohoo! Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm uh, also a PhD student in rhetoric and composition at Purdue, where I study games and fandom and pick on Alicia. It's great. I can't be Somebody picked on. Somebody needs to. <laughs> I'm immune. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. Well, let's get started. We're going to do our usual what you're playing, what you're reading, and most importantly, what you're drinking. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start. I'm going to start again with the order that I see people on my screen today. And I'm going to ask Alicia, darling, tell us, what are you playing? Damn it. <laughs> so remember how for like months and months and months I ripped on all of you for playing Stardew Valley? Not not at all, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm playing Stardew Valley. Like, <laughs> as in I'm literally playing Stardew Valley right now. It's the Spirits Eve Festival. Oh, yeah. You're in the fall. Yeah. 
That's why I got to get some hay because I'm almost out of the fall. Um, yeah, also Hearthstone as per normal. Um, but uh, mostly lots and lots and lots of Stardew Valley. Uh, starting Stardew Valley at the beginning of the semester was probably one of the worst life choices I've ever made in my, in my entire life. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, so here's the thing, though. At least you're playing on the computer and not the console. Because you know why? And, and this could be a good thing or a bad thing. If you're playing on the computer, you could play for a few minutes everywhere instead of feeling the need <laughs> to play for like four hours when you sit down at your computer. Well, I don't have a laptop that will run it. So, um, no, I can't. But because well, I have two monitors, technically I can read while playing. No, no, you can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> while you're watering and stuff? Yeah, you can. Don't tell me Why what I can't do. Don't tell me what I can't do. You need Why some sprinkler, man. Little, oh, you know what? I, I, I ran out of refined quartz, and I can't seem to catch any more glasses in my crab pots. <laughs> um, That's what the mines are for. Yep, that's what the mines yeah, are for. You need to just go down and mine, man. Mm-hmm. You know what? <laughs> Don't need to let me live my life. <laughs> you should have known this would happen. Yeah, you you know. Let me live my life! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Hmm. Oh dear. I haven't and welcome to Stardew Valley Tips and Tricks. Stardew Valley, the podcast part two. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jinx, what are you playing? <laughs> um, I have finally downloaded Sailor Moon Drops from my phone. So I've been playing that at work, you know, for my like lunch break. Um, of course. Yeah. And it's Sailor Moon, I love it. Um, but more like like actually playing, if you will. Uh, I got Final Fantasy Explorers for my partner and I, which is basically like Final Fantasy meets Fantasy Life and Monster Hunter. Yep. Oh. And mm. took like the best parts to me of those two games and then put it in Final Fantasy stuff. And I was like, I love this game. It was really fun. And um, so I bought it for my partner and I so we can play together um, online because he loves these Monster Hunter games. And I only play Monster Hunter to play with him because I don't particularly like Monster Hunter. But don't let him hear me say that. He doesn't listen to these podcasts. Yay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so those Final Fantasy Explorers just like, kind of meets us both in the middle. And so it's a lot of fun. And it's really easy because like the missions, like in Monster Hunter, the missions are like an hour. And sometimes they really are an hour. In um, Explorers, they're like 20 minutes. And I'm like, cool, I can play this right before bed and play you know a 20-minute mission. Uh, so I'm I'm really happy with this buy, and it's on the 3DS. Oh, and I got a new 3DS. Yay! What kind did you get? I got the the new 3DS XL. Um, and the GameStop I went to, they're like, we only have one in stock, and it's a refurbished one. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I didn't add, like pay attention to which one they said they had. I got one of the cool Galaxy ones. Like it's oh, pretty. sweet. Oh, nice. And, and it's it's pretty, and like I'm kind of kicking myself for spending that much on it, but like you know, it's really pretty. <laughs> And I can see the screen again because I'm losing my eyesight. So, um, yeah. Sorry, that that got on. Yeah, it might be time for some new glasses, Jinx. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the the funny thing is when that get when the Galaxy one came out because like purple is my favorite color. When it came out, I was like, oh, I really need one of those, but I could not justify it. Mm -hmm. 
because I'm already on my second new 3DS XL because I gave my first one to my kid so that I could get the um the gold Legend of Zelda one. So there was no way. There was no I couldn't, you know, I would have to have another kid to pass one down to to uh can I be your kid. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> to say we can all be your kids. Yeah. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, I wanted the gold Legend of Zelda one, but they're like really expensive everywhere. Um, but they sold also, out so quick, it was not even funny. Yeah, but the only reason that I got a new one is um, my roommate doesn't like hasn't had a handheld, and I was like, if I give you my 3DS, will you play it? And he was like, yeah. And so I, I bought him a Pokemon game, and he's been playing it on my old 3DS, and so I bought myself a new one. It was like. That was like the best decision. I shouldn't have waited this long. I should have just given him my 3DS and like saved up for a new 3DS later because he's having so much fun. <laughs> you are such a sweet human. No, I'm not. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. But if you want to play that game with yourself, you go ahead and do that. You're a cinnamon roll. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like an angry piece of bark. <laughs> <laughs> You're too good for this world, too pure. Why did I think of bark? An angry piece of Bark? I don't know oh, why I thought of bark. The trees are attacking. Food and what? I on Earth? <laughs> what? You don't eat bark, Alicia? God. I love I bark. Know. I don't know why I said bark. That <laughs> I don't know. Thanks don't know what's up. I'm sorry. I mean, I love you, but dang. Lee, what are you playing? <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. Excellent. Segue. Like, get this shit off my off my lap. Next. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Moving swiftly. I fucked up. Somebody else take over. <laughs> shit, shit. Uh, I've been playing uh more Stardew Valley again because Alicia was like, I started playing Stardew Valley and I went, shit, I haven't played Stardew Valley in a while, so I've been doing that because it's fun. I've also jumped back into Diablo 3 because season nine started and I'm running around killing monsters and trying to get shiny armor and what are you playing Diablo I have someone 3 I can rant to about the story of Diablo 3. Right though, right though. But yeah, I'm playing uh, Diablo 3 on my PC. <gasps> Do you know if the console has the season nine update? Cause I... I'm not sure. Somebody needs to tell me. <laughs> Yeah, I play on computer because all of my friends back in Alabama play on computer. And when what my computer else? isn't being you got new jackass, whatever, you got new screen. Damn, <laughs> you guys can play with me because I can I have, have a lot of friends. Let <laughs> everybody live their life, Sam. No. <laughs> Mostly, I just really enjoy running around, being a wizard, and shooting disintegrate bolts at demons and watching them die. It's very being therapeutic. A wizard. Being a motherfucking sorcerer—it's—it's it's my life. That's what I do. And so, I'll like you said, you said wizard then. Wizard, yes, but the being a motherfucking sorcerer is a meme, and I, I know because I'm honor bound. No, yeah, I am. I must. I must meme. It is my life. <laughs> oh gosh, I am the meme lord. I must meme. We're like, never gonna get anywhere tonight. I I'm know. So sorry. Nowhere. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna play a game. <laughs> Who wants to count how many times Jinx apologizes? Oh no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I didn't mean to be shady about it. It was just estimate that it's going to be forty-seven. <laughs> you won't. I'm sorry. I think you're low, but okay. <laughs> back, back to Lee. Okay. What, what I was going to say was re regarding Diablo three. Jinx and I just talked about this actually because the plot of Diablo three makes me absolutely crazy because of all the shit that goes down with it. So I never play through the main story anymore. I just play through adventure mode, which is great for my work ethic because I sit down. I play through an act bounty and like kill five monsters in five areas. And then I take a break and then I read an article and then I go back and run another set of bounties. And it's just rinse, repeat until I finish my homework. 
Hearthstone was really good for that. Mm-hmm. Stardew Valley is not. Uh, no, it is not. You're like, just one more day. One more day. And then before you know it, it's 2 a.m. And you're like, oops, look at my life. Look at my choices. Yes. You know, okay. So here, this, and this is this is so true. It's a horrible thing. And Alicia and I were talking about this. I think it was last week. As I like, because we're homeschooling. And I have the kids on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And she and Terry have the kids on Tuesday and Thursday. Well, Alicia and I share on Fridays. Because she comes over after she's done on Friday. So I rolled into her house like late. <laughs> one day on Tuesday and Thursday and I'm like trying to drop the kid off and make it to school because I still have a nine o'clock class. Um, and we usually drop the kids off at like 8.30. And and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm running late. Things crazy. I was like, because at midnight, I was like, oh, I'm going to play like two days at Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 4 a.m. It, it, it was more like almost six when Ooh. I was <laughs> Life choices. Life choices. <laughs> yeah. Playing Stardew Valley for a minute is never a life choice to make. I managed earlier this morning because I had to. I got up early to finish my readings. I played one day. You're and a liar. No, I'm not. Did your computer, that did your computer crash? Did your nope. power go out? What the hell happened? How'd you play one day? I had to read a lot of Play-Doh. <laughs> a lot of Play-Doh. Gross. And I have some Sometimes self control. <laughs> well, I'm impressed because last night I was like, I had played a little bit, right? A couple of hours, and I was like, okay, I'm going to play one more day because I want to go buy some goats. And Marnie, Marnie hits it for the bar at like 10 30 in the morning. <laughs> so, so if you don't get there by 10 30, you're not getting, you're not getting no, no livestock, no supplies, no nothing, right? And as I got to her place at like 10 20, she was walking out the door. I know. I was like, it must have been a hard day because you're 10 minutes early for the bar. That's some shit. <laughs> now, so I was um, like, I have to play one more day so I can get my goats, which I had already named. I was going to name them Gruffy and Buffy. That's oh, so man, cute. that's really cute. <laughs> now I want more goats. <laughs> I mean, you're um, better than me. I just named everyone after Undertale. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the best idea ever, though, because you could name the goats Toriel and Asgore. Okay, I'll shut up. Yes. I'm having emotions about Undertale again. I, we're um, going to be talking about emotions, right? Yes. <laughs> yes we are. Oh, we're not there yet. Right, my, sorry. my son, listen, bam. My son is also playing Stardew Valley. This is one of the reasons why I started playing, because my husband's playing, my son is playing, so I was like, God damn it. Everybody in my life is playing this game. Um, but he has that problem with Marnie, too. He's like, Marnie is never there. Why is Marnie trying to buy a for like three days? Um, he hates Marnie. I have never heard my child so enraged as when he was talking about Marnie not doing her job. You do have to tell say Marnie has Marnie has an illness. <laughs> She's got a problem, sweetie. Well, you know what? But Marnie is I don't think Marnie's not Marnie doesn't have an illness. She's chasing after the mayor. Mm. Yeah. Did you know mm-hmm. I read that you can get disqualified from the this the harv the uh, the farmers market if you put the mayor's shorts in your grange box. <laughs> Because you were supposed to be discreet about that shit. <laughs> that would make sense. That's beautiful. I know. Just put his shorts out on, on, on display. These like, are like, I found can, you, these. can you find my last shorts? I'm like, where are they? Uh, somewhere. I'm like, oh, they're at Marty's house. Look at that. On the floor. <laughs> on the floor. In well, Marty's bedroom. I didn't actually realize that was, like, I thought those were, like, swim trunks. No, oh, that's, that's his drawers, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yep. Maybe they were swimming. <laughs> Maybe they were swimming. 
But what I also discovered, and I had never discovered in my first playthrough on PC, is that Marlon has the hots for Marnie. Oh shit, Marnie's popular. Mm. Yes. Dang. I was talking to Marlon at one of the festivals. It was must have been one of the spring festivals because it was on the it was on the console. Um, and it was either last night or the night before. And yes, Marlon has the hots for Marnie. Well, mm -hmm. can I just say though that I like this because Marnie is like not young. No. And not not mm -hmm. conventionally like the beautiful young thing you usually see in games. So no. it's kind of cool right. that all these dudes are like, I gotta give me some of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or make this Stardew Valley part two. <laughs> That's what it's turned into. Sam, and, Sam what, what are, are you playing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sam. Okay. Oh, look, Stardew Valley. <laughs> oh, they, damn. Uh. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll go through and tell you, yes, I'm playing Stardew Valley, but we're not going to talk about my playthrough anymore because this is not Stardew Valley Part 2. Sorry. I'm, I'm still oh, playing Broke Quest 15, too. Uh, <laughs> Why? Do <laughs> you hate yourself? No, I don't hate myself. I do not hate myself. Do you need to have some therapy? Because you need to play the tire fire to know for sure. Hey, no! It's, it is not. <laughs> okay, so yes, there are things in the game that are extremely problematic but there is something so engaging about this about this travel log that you're playing through right mm -hmm. um and in terms of i mean i've played a lot of final fantasy this is the first final fantasy probably that i have had a lot of product placement oh i'm sorry there's a lot of product placement yeah, man right? i won't even eat the quote unquote ramen because it's fucking cup of noodles <laughs> I mean, it is literally cup of noodles in a cup that says cup of noodles, like lifting cup of noodles. Uh, and then, like, the tents got the, the tents and the camping equipment is just emblazoned with Coleman, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like serious product placement all over this game. It is, mm. you, they're not even playing. Um, okay. But the, the cup of noodles infuriated me because <laughs> I'm like, that is not ramen. <laughs> um, but this is the first Final Fantasy. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. No. I was ashamed at first. I had Alicia Syndrome with Stardew Valley. But it is the first Final Fantasy. I, it's not It's not the best game. It's not. It will not go down as the best Final Fantasy. It will mm -hmm. not even go down as more than a mediocre Final Fantasy. But it's the first Final Fantasy that I've actually enjoyed since like eight. You know, that'll probably be me. You know, that'll be me. And I'm like, it's most admit hater. <laughs> well, okay, that's <laughs> true. You really are. Yeah. But I'm gonna, when I finally do play it, I probably will enjoy it. I'll be like, I'll hate it the whole time, but I'll probably enjoy it. It won't be the first one that I've enjoyed since like seven, obviously, because I enjoyed 13 on like everybody else in the world and I don't Ooh. blame anybody. But Jinx, this thing you're talking about where like you hate it, but you also love it. That's that how like, I feel. Oh yeah, every uh -huh. game about everything. <laughs> that's, yes, that's Alicia's entire aesthetic. <laughs> it may. Yeah, I mean, I do that with some things, but this one will be the worst because I've been complaining about it for ten years. Yeah, you have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's great. <laughs> You know, and I had to lie to my child because she was like, "Uh, why are you playing this game when they dress women like that?" And they, I was like, "Look." She was like, oh, you're playing it for now, your mama's gamer. I was like, yes. Yes, darling, that is why I'm oh, playing no. Damn liar. I'm going to tell her, too. Oh. <laughs> Look, you better not spoil things for my child. <laughs> <laughs> Pure feminism. 
she she must think her mother is feminism incarnate. Damn it. Because right now she does, and I'm I'm cool with that. Um. So I started playing uh, Pocket Card Junkie. Junkie. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. What have you been doing, Sam? <laughs> what have I been doing? Um, pocket card jockey on the 3DS. It's just like a little tiny indie game where you race your horse, right? So it's like you race a horse, you're a jockey, but you race the horse by playing um, solitaire. And like apparently people were like seriously addicted to this little game, right? And I was like, well, clearly I like solitaire games. I still play solitaire games on my phone. Um, and I was like, I will love this. And this little, okay, so yes, the the solitaire games, one, they're too, way too easy. Um, two, there's just like a whole lot of unnecessary conversation that you have to have with everybody in the game between hands of solitaire and that shit just driving me crazy. I'm like, please, can I have my like, I want to say it was like $4. Maybe it was $2. I bought two little games. One was four and one was two. But whatever it was, I want my money back. Um, and, you know, whether it's $2 or $4, I'm pretty sure I could do something with that. Like, so that's a cup of coffee or two, depending on if it's two or $4. But anyway, so I'm playing uh, Pocket Card Jockey on the 3DS. And then, of course, also on the 3DS, I'm still playing Pokemon Moon. I love Pokemon Moon. Oh, I'm still playing it too. I'll be there in June. I have so many emotions, which I won't talk about because I don't want to spoil things for Jinx. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I well, I'm not gonna spoil it. I'm not gonna spoil it. I'll spoil it. I'm not. Wait, do I need to run? No. Text me when I can come back. No, there's no, 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 no. This is just like mechanic stuff, right? Mm. Or even just kind of the way they situate stuff, right? Because I was all excited for the game when it was first coming out when they were like, no gym battles. Now, one, I played a whole lot of Pokemon in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of I was kind of antsy about the notion of no gym battles, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck are we gonna do if there's no gym battles? Yeah, what, what is the game even? Right, what exactly? Well, so now we have island trials instead. And I think the island trials are stupid. Um, the way the way that they're set up, I think they're stupid. Um, I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> I think that they're stupid because you, you know, you just walk around and you, you know, like meet and fight little people. I'm like, how is this any different from what you do for the rest of the game? It doesn't feel like there's anything to distinguish the island trials from the actual kind of regular everyday gameplay. And that really kind of pisses me off. And I'm really torn about how I feel about the, the, um, the, the second island kahuna, Olivia, mm. oh, who's, yeah. who's the black woman. Mm -hmm. right? I'm like, because there's this is the first time, we, you know, we've had like real black people in this game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Black people in the Pokemans. Holy this is shit. like black people in the Pokemans. But they made her your typical East Coast B girl. Mm. I mean, down to the hip Wait, so sachet. Are you saying that? Nintendo and their affiliated companies may not be the most sensitive about race. <laughs> Gasp. Oof, it's 10 you. degrees cooler in that shade. Who will bite you? I'm sorry. I'm a hater. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little disturbed. I, I'm, a, I'm a little disturbed. I don't like that. But, you know, they're, they're brown people. 
and there's some there's some black folks and and there are some horrible stereotypes. Hey, but look, I got a question. What? Um, so thinking about this, thinking about Pokemon Go, where they were like, well, you can color people black, but they ain't really black people. Um, and and efforts like this, where it's like, we will throw you a bone, but it will be the most tokenistic bone possible. Yeah, we will yeah. token up this shit so hard. Like, is that better or worse than what was there before? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. That is well. Okay, so here's the here's the thing. <clears throat> like, is it better to not exist at all or to exist in <laughs> a stereotype? Way? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Optimistic theoretical. <coughs> excuse me. Let me drink beer. Okay. Optimistic, optimistic theoretical me wants to say that at least even with the um, with the tokenistic characters in place, there is a place to move forward from. Okay. Whereas if we ain't there, if we ain't there at all, there's nothing. There's nothing. And, and I am a firm believer that if, you know, if we raise enough stink, sooner or later somebody gonna listen. Um, and that sting may involve saying, you know what, I'm not gonna play. I'm not gonna play your next game. I mean, it's been black like twenty like years. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. I know. I've been. I've been waiting for that shit. I've been <laughs> waiting for that shit since I was a little red dot. Excuse me, a little red dash running across the screen exactly forty years ago uh, to actually be able to see myself in some real meaningful way on the screen. Forty years later, I still ain't seeing it. But okay. Okay. But you know, and on that note, my character, even though I did, in order to feel as if I was represented on the screen in any way, still have to play a male character in Pokemon Moon. Um, I do have cornrows, or as the as y'all white folks say, box of braids. <laughs> Which white folks? Y'all, I'm saying you too. Blame it on you too. Fuck. So that's what I'm playing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good times. Good times. What are we reading? Alicia, what you reading? Um, I have been reading the uh, Tomorrow series by John Marsden. They were published like in the 90s. And I stole the first book out of Sam's office one day because I don't know why Sam had it. Um, but it was called Tomorrow When the War Began. There was a movie. They made a movie a couple years ago. So maybe y'all heard of that. I don't know. But um, so the premise is that these teenagers go on a camping trip in Australia. They're Australian. Um, they didn't just go to Australia. And while they're there, like, the country gets invaded. Mm-hmm. And they never say who invades, but it's, it's, it's pretty clearly some kind of Asian country. Um, he, like, he tried real hard not to say, but it's clear. Um, so they start to, to kind of try to fight back, like doing some guerrilla shit. And, uh, it's been really interesting. I wouldn't have read past the first book, I think. Um, cause it's not my kind of thing usually, but there's two reasons, two really compelling reasons. I think to read this one, it's super dark. Like they're terrified constantly. People die. They get hurt. They're like drag assing around. I mean, it's bad. And that really appeals to me um, <laughs> for reasons. Uh, but also, 
there have been some moments that are that are really meaningful. I think, considering the political climate right now, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, people people who decide to sympathize with the invaders and saying like, well, we should have toughened up and, you know, we really needed to stop being so soft on everybody. And, and I can just hear people going like, well, we're too politically correct. Um, so it's been really, it's really been a fascinating read. Uh, and I normally don't read much fiction at all during the semester. Um, but I'm on the fourth book now of seven. And then there's three extra books. Damn. And I started like two weeks ago. So I mean, so you just borrowed that book. I know. So I've been tearing through it and playing Stardew Valley. I don't know how I've had time for anything else. But magically, somehow I have. But that's what I'm reading. That and a whole fucking lot of rhetoric. Oh my God. Oh, see, that's what happens when you get a rhetoric PhD. Mm-hmm. So turns out you got to read a lot of rhetoric. <laughs> Ooh, that no shit still happened. Oh, dang, mm-hmm. stop, though. All right, Jinx, what about you? What you reading, darling? Um, nothing nearly as heavy. Um, <laughs> I decided to reread the whole Harry Potter series because I haven't read it since I was a kid. Um, so I just finished that. I started it two weeks ago, so yeah. And I took a break to go to Amsterdam, so yeah. Um, that was fun. And then I decided to read, I don't know if anybody else read this as a kid, but there's the Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. Mm-hmm. books which i didn't realize or i mean i haven't read them since i was a kid as well but like it was published in 1947 which explains so much <laughs> but as a kid i didn't know that and i just i decided that i'm doing nostalgia reading right now so after i'm done with miss pickle wiggle i'm gonna go back to a series of unfortunate events um we watched the first episode of the netflix show don't today. talk about it yet i'm not i just yeah, I haven't say, started like, watching it yet. i've never read the books oh no so. You know, I mean, I I literally can't spoil anything. Uh, but Patrick Warburton does Lemony Snicket, mm-hmm. and I love him. So everybody else was kind of like, you know, lukewarm on it. And I was like, whatever, this is awesome. Oh, okay, the, that's interesting. I don't know who that is because I don't um, know. He does he does a lot of voice acting, and he's done. He he's not on screen as much. Um, I don't know. Like if you saw The Emperor's New Groove, he's oh, Kronk. Yeah. Oh, okay. That'll be oh, that'll be that great. Guy. Yeah, I, he's I think amazing. Lemony sarcasm. Then. Yeah, he's playing it so straight, and it's it's great. So That's I don't beautiful. know about the rest of the show. Like I didn't really pay attention to it except when mm-hmm. he came on screen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't have Netflix anymore, so um, I have to oh. go. How to, do you live? Uh, <laughs> I, I I read a lot. Um, and don't do things with my life. Well, that's, um, that's better than. Uh, I also like really didn't use Netflix. I'm kind of lame, um, but uh, I have to go to a friend's house to watch it now, and so I'm gonna reread all of a series of Fortune events, and I'm gonna go watch it with them. See, I- I'm torn. Okay, Th- this black person being torn because um, what's his name? Handler, right? The guy who wrote Lemony Snicket. Yeah, I- I'm bl- I'm black. I got a long memory. I got receipts. Uh-oh. Y'all remember a couple years ago, right, when he didn't win the book prize, the National Book Award um, for his book, but a black woman did? Um, oh, I didn't hear about this. I'm sorry. You don't, you don't, okay, either. you hear about this, you don't remember this. He was so salty that um, he made jokes about uh, he made jokes about her being allergic to watermelon. And no, why you better do this. 
And her, and well, she, that actually does frustrate me because back when the movie, the the bad movie for the series came out, and there there was like the director's commentary, mm-hmm. and like the directors were like there was only one black character in the movie, uh, and then mm-hmm. he was like kind of incompetent. He was nice, but he was incompetent, and like they were the directors wouldn't call him black. They would call him like ebony and chocolate and stuff. And, Are you like, fucking kidding me? Yeah, and so Everybody like said chocolate. And no, so no, Snicket or Handler didn't. He was like he just started like going off on these people, being like he's a black man. Like, and why did you cast him for this role again? Like, what? And like, so he was just like ripping into him for being racist and not. But that I guess he he was just as racist, which sucks. Yeah, you mean because she wasn't. A, it was for uh, Brown Girl Dreaming, right? Which was. Um, it was a book about the civil rights, uh, about the civil rights era, and he was like, and he, and I think he introduced her for the for the award, and he was like, yeah, I bet she wouldn't win if y'all knew she was allergic to watermelon and blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, it was it was horrible, mm. it was horrible. And then he was, and then he tried to apologize for it later with one of those half-assed apologies. But you know, but we're friends. I can't be racist because she and I are friends. And blah 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 blah. Mm. Yeah, no, no, motherfucker, no. So no. we don't have no lemony sticky books in our house. And I'm real torn about that series because I'm pretty sure my kid goes see it and be like, "Can we watch that?" And I'm gonna be like, "No," because he's a racist dick. Oh, that's good to know. Sorry, I am the black. I am the black ruiner of all. <laughs> no, hey, I'm I'm I'd rather know about it. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> God damn it. But I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm told. Why are you sorry? He ought to be sorry. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he, he should. He be only he, but I think he donated like a hundred thousand dollars to some cause as part of his apology. Because you know you can always throw money at it and make it go away. Right. That's the solution to everything. That is. That is. It absolutely is. God damn it. Yay, team. All right, Lee, what you reading? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on from that delightful bummer. (laughs) Buy some motherfucking hay. (laughs) (laughs) We can always count on you, Alicia, to be buying hay. Be buying some hay. Well, uh, I also am reading a whole bunch of rhetoric for class because the semester started up again, which mm-hmm. means, as usual, I don't have much time for reading for fun. But what I've started doing, because years and years ago, uh, when I was working at a transcription job, I had a lot of time to listen to audiobooks. Mm. So I got an Audible account and I've still got that. And so I've been picking up audiobooks and listening to them on my drives because I keep going down to Kentucky to visit my partner. So it's like five hours down there, five hours back. You can get through a book in a couple of weeks without too much trouble. So I've been listening to more books than I've been reading. That's okay. That makes sense. I listen yeah. to a lot of books. Yeah, and I really appreciate it because it gives me a chance to do something that's not school related as intensely but i can still you know be doing other stuff so i don't feel like i'm wasting all of my time it's like well i've got to drive for five hours might as well listen to something fun so uh, i uh i picked up a book that uh, a friend of mine wrote actually it's called the death sniffers assistant and my friend kate mcintyre who is a loud and proud bisexual woman is like okay i'm gonna take this book and i'm going to write all of these like steampunky victorian england analog stereotypes but I'm going to turn on its head completely and we're going to have a bunch of ladies and by the second book they're all going to turn out to be extremely gay 
So I was like, oh, that sounds like my kind of book. I was going to say, well, shit, now you told me about that. I have to read it. So I'm a few chapters in and it's actually delightful because it's set in, again, sort of a alternate universe London. And the main character is this guy who desperately needs a job, but he's kind of shitty at magic. So he goes to work for like the least popular person in the city who works as a death sniffer, which is like being sort of a cop, but creepy about it you know, creepy <laughs> magic. So he's just this very prim and proper and genteel young man who's like very obviously gay coded. And he goes to work for this extremely brash, ribald woman who will just like walk into houses and be like, okay, so who died in here? And it's just, it's irreverent and it's delightful and the characters are funny. And it just helps a lot that the author is a friend of mine. So I'm just sitting here going, oh, I see where that humor comes from. I know exactly where that came from. So mm -hmm. I'm going to keep listening and I'm going to read the second book and the third one eventually when she's done writing it, which will be soon. Now that I know her, I'm just like, you got to keep writing because this is good stuff. And also any book that has at least one queer character is going to have me go, oh my gosh, let me read this. And then it's sort of a surprise. They're all gay. It's me going, give me this book. I am starving. Cool. So that's where I'm at with reading things or listening to things. I'm also very amused by listening to a book like that, driving through rural Kentucky. There's something yeah. very amusing about that to me. I want an audible account, but man, I just cannot, I can't justify the expense because I'm not, you know, driving everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I can't justify the expense of driving anywhere. And yet here I am. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Oh, damn it. <laughs> so I got my sprinkler. <laughs> I can tell you what I'm what I'm reading. I'm reading a lot of stuff. Um, no kidding. I know. Well, I'm teaching, so I'm all, I'm still reading a lot of stuff. Um, I am reading um again for the second time because it was really good, and I read through it so fast the first time to try to decide whether or not I wanted to teach it this semester. But then I decided I was going to teach it. I was like, oh, I better read that again because I really kind of breezed through it the first time. Um, Michael Denzel Smith's Invisible Man Got the Whole World Watching, which is like um, critical race theory for the filthy millennials. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's, it is critical race theory, but he's 29 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. The author's 29 years old. So he's taking a much different take on critical race theory, like really kind of instead of going, you know, how great is it that Obama was president? And he talks about implications of respectability politics and the Obama presidency. Um, so it's really interesting to hear younger folks and their take on um, on critical race theory and respectability politics. And his book is an interesting one because it's not just, you know, let's talk about race and racism in the in the United States, but he also as um, a male-bodied author talks about uh, talks about intersectionality and intersectional feminism. Um, he also talks about um, um, ooh. he also talks about queer stuff. For some reason, my Siri is now recording everything I said. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Donald Trump. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I say that out loud. Um, but he's also talking about uh, queer politics and um, and how like black folks in the black church respond. He's talking about survivor's guilt, right? 
which is something, especially when we're talking about young folks in the U.S. Um, I mean, yes, when we talk about older folks like me, when we see when we see young black folks dying in the streets, we see our children, mm-hmm. right? And we talk, and and that gets talked a lot about in in critical race theory. But here, what you have someone who is of the same age who talks about it in terms of having survivor's guilt. It's it's a pretty phenomenal book. Um, so I'm glad that I reread it because I picked up on a lot of nuance the second time through that I didn't pick up on the first time. Um, and what else am I reading? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I picked up the new Kindred graphic novel. Have you guys seen this? Mm-mm. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Um, the artist, the illustrator, John Jennings, um, the way that if you has have you have any has anybody else read Kindred Octavia Butler's book novel? Yes. Okay, so you know the way that the story kind of unfolds and becomes more fully fleshed as it as it goes on. Mm-hmm. He does the same with his illustrations. Mm. They feel very rough and unfinished at the beginning, and as the as the story goes on, they become more and more robust. It's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, so I grabbed that. I went from comic store to comic store, um, and I couldn't find and I couldn't find it at any of the local comic stores. Go figure. Um, so I ended up having to go to because I was like, I can buy it on Amazon and with time have it in two days. But I was like, but I need it in my face right now. So I had to go to Barnes and Noble and pay full price for it. Um, but I did that for the cause. Uh, it was a beautiful book. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading. And it's only in hardcover right now because it just came out. All the things, all, all the things. things. Yep. So I'm very much the angry black woman all the time right now because, yeah, well, I'm always very much the angry black woman. I tried to explain it, rationalize it away, but, you know, that's not going to work anyway. Mm-mm. All right, important shit. We just now made it to that. Yeah. <laughs> what was everything else? Oh, right. It was Stardew Valley. It's slow as hell. It was Stardew Valley and uh, oh, what's his name? Handler. What is his first name? Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Handler and his fucking racist watermelon joke. I, I have a random question. Can you guys hear my cat purring? No. No. Okay. He's if, sitting if, right on my computer and purring. I apologize. If I could hear him purring, I would probably be screaming because nothing makes me happier than cats purring. So, yeah. <laughs> nobody needs that. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Nope. Alicia, what you drinking, my darling? Uh, I am drinking uh, whiskey ginger. Ooh. You like whiskey ginger. You drink I, that a lot. I do. I do. I, I feel no shame. That's um, okay. I, uh, I enjoy whiskey and ginger ale. And the two together are perfect. Okay, so the big question is what kind of ginger ale? Oh, Verner's. Okay. You okay then? See, I know. Michigan, if you had said anything else, I would have been like, that's not ginger ale. Like, I mean, it, it's either this or you have to get like some, some kind of high-end, like fancy shit. <laughs> I can't afford no high-end fancy shit, so I drink Verner's. I like yeah. how you didn't ask what kind of whiskey, but you ask about my ginger ale. Hey. Asking the important questions. Right. Hey, that's look, ginger ale, ginger ale is important in I Michigan. Agree. 
damn it. Verner's is like Verner's is like the thing. You could drink Verner's, you know, when you uh you could drink Verner's when you're thirsty. You can drink it when your stomach is upset. You can warm it up and make it into like a hot toddy and drink it when you got a cold. Why would Verner's you do that? Why would you do that? What's wrong with you? Verner's is medicine in Michigan. I don't even know. You haven't had, have you had hot Verner's? Don't no, play. No, it sounds awful. No, don't play. <laughs> don't play. Don't sleep on that shit. It's, I'm telling you, Verner's is medicine in Michigan. Look, I'm, well, it's black folks. You know, that's like Verner's and Robitussin. That should heal everything. <laughs> but not, not together. Right? <laughs> Probably not. We ain't friends anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not together. You don't put the Robitussin in the Verners. Damn it. Man, I was just checking. I don't know what you do. It's like I don't know what you black people do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like a that that would have to be a you people thing. I don't know what you people do. <laughs> I don't know what you people do. All right. On that note, Jinx, mm. what about you? I I finished my water about forty five minutes ago. <laughs> What will you do now? Um, I don't know. Go thirsty? Yeah. Get more water? No, that would require me getting up, and I have a giant 20-pound cat on me right now. Oh, that's true. And that's it makes things hard to move. Arnie's ass better fucking be there. <laughs> <laughs> this this running commentary of Stardew Valley in the background from Alicia oh. is just it's beautiful. <laughs> For a second, I thought I had done something wrong. I was like, Who, where do I have to be? I... I, I need to leave now. Where do I go? All right. What about you, Lee? What you drinking, darling? Uh, I just finished off a uh, bottle of Pinot Noir. And by that, I mean I started drinking it several days ago and went, well, I've got the dregs of it in my fridge. So that means I don't have to go anywhere. So I'm sipping that from a truly ridiculous cup. Because um, um, my birthday is Halloween. So my friends love to give me the most ridiculous gifts ever. So uh, my former roommate M sent me this cup that is basically a goblet with like skeletal dragons on it. And it's just the most epic thing to drink anything out of. So I'm just sitting here like drinking blood red wine out of a goblet. Like I'm a badass as I sit here at, you know, 10 o'clock at night in my pajamas. Cause you're a badass. Tell me. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. I'm drinking, I sent uh, Alicia pictures of this a couple weeks ago, because when I saw it at the store, I was like, I'm gonna buy several boxes of this, or cases of this, or six packs of this. I had two left, I believe. I am drinking um, uh, Ace Pineapple Hard Cider. Mm. And I'm down to my last couple. So good. See, I got I got Trump supporters tweeting at me, and now you're talking about pineapple cider, and I don't have any pineapple cider, and Marnie's not there, and everything is sadness. <laughs> you're just having the worst day. Do you need pictures of Seagram? Wow. Worst day. day. Everything <laughs> can be cured by pictures of Seagram, Jinx. You should definitely send us. That's true. <laughs> if you can free so if free yourself enough to take pictures with that. You're sitting on my phone. Oh no. <laughs> And it was never found again. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I love my giant fur baby. Okay. All right. So that's what we're drinking. So let's get into the good stuff. Woohoo. Finally. <laughs> finally. Finally. <laughs> we're going to talk about games and emotion. Dun, dun, dun. 
and I, just because we've been all oh, having some emotional moments with games lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, lately. <laughs> I was like forever, always. Forever. <clears throat> so we're gonna talk about some games and emotion stuff, and, and what we're using as a frame um, is uh, a chapter from Catherine Isbister's book that both Alicia and I, I think, have written about um, for the blog. It's yes. uh, how games move us. It's a um, great it's, book. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, so we decided we were going to talk about games in motion um, and use Isbister as a frame because I think Isbister gives us a really good frame, right? <laughs> um, especially when we start talking about how, cho- how choice plays into this as well. Um, so I don't want to make this all about Isbister yet because I probably Actually, will. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Um, well, it was because when I was talking to um, my partner about tonight's podcast because um he because we i every time i think about emotions for games i always think about like games that make me cry mm-hmm. um but he brought up something that he wanted me to share um oh. of one of my experiences that i had forgotten about with portal 2 actually and i think it, it, this may be jumping but it was um he was bringing up the uh feeling and emotion that wasn't the intention Mm-hmm. Like Portal Two is funny, right? Like it's kind of creepy, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. And but there was one time, uh, one of the comments Wheatley it was Wheat, one of Wheatley and Gladys's like back and forth, and it was um, uh, Wheatley was trying to make fun of Shell, and he can't like think of something to say, so he just keeps going like you're adopted, and like he can't think of anything after that. And um, then GLaDOS is like, what's the problem with her being adopted? Like, yeah, she's adopted, so what? And he's like, oh, I, I thought that was an insult. And then she goes, well, it's not, you're dumb. And then turns, or you're, she's the potato at this point. And she looks at, you know, looks at you, quote unquote. And then goes, oh, but you are adopted and it's terrible. And like, yeah, it's funny. And actually I do find that funny. But the thing is, I'm adopted. <laughs> and um I, uh, in like middle school, uh, my sex ed class, like when they were teaching it, they were like, anyone who's adopted is an abomination and wasn't wanted by their parents. What the? Jesus. And so like immediately, like I'm laughing and then crying at the same time. And my partner was like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, cause I'm adopted and, it, and it's terrible. And he goes, it, no, it was, a, are, are you okay? Like he, he immediately noticed something was wrong. And I'm like laughing and crying at the same time. Cause I was like, that wasn't their intention. And like, I know that they weren't making a joke about like adopted people being terrible, but like that was my immediate emotional response to like the super innocuous thing. Because like GLaDOS is a horrible person. And so like anything she says, you can't, right? Like, but it was just like, it, like this reading about like emotional responses and how games like make us, like sometimes I feel like games make us feel things that the developers didn't intend. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's like outside kind of the, of the reading, but I, no, I thought it would be an interesting like, point well, to kind of bring up because, well, it's like the Sims, right? Like the, in the reading, they were talking about the Sims and how like, you know, you can make all these stories and everything and everyone sits there and like kills people, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I don't know if that was the intention when the game came out like you know like oh look at all the ways that you can murder families of people by drowning them in swimming pools and stuff um and i don't know if like i'm the only person who feels guilty when their sims die oh i totally feel guilty okay 
but it was a, it's that sort of thing. Like it's it's it, emotions felt that weren't originally intended within the game. Um, and like and I think like with the with the adopted joke, like it, that was an accident. Like that was just a personal experience that like got manifested in front of me by a talking potato. But like and it's still a funny joke. And I'm not like razzing on you know Valve being like why'd you put an adoption joke in there because it was really funny. But it was just like well. Here you go. Here's a bunch of emotion you didn't want to deal with. That's probably not a good launching point, but there you go. <laughs> it is a, it's a great launching point because I mean, I think a lot of it, a lot of what you're saying makes perfect sense. Well, all of what you're saying makes perfect sense. I mean, because there, there is a lot that we feel that is going to differ based on who we are as humans, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And one, yes, developers can be assholes. Two, and insensitive, because I think that as an adoptive parent, that the, the adoption joke is one of the worst on the face of the planet, right? <laughs> um, and two, sometimes they're just kind of oblivious to- um, A lot of things. A lot of things, <laughs> lots of things. See, okay, so here's the, here's, here's the funny thing, right? My kid is playing The Sims right now. Like not literally right now. No, she not, hopefully she sleeps <laughs> right now. <laughs> But she's probably in there watching Sailor Moon or something because she's like, if I'm real quiet, mama won't know I'm still awake. Um, but uh, so she's playing The Sims and she just started playing The Sims over Christmas. Um, and so she's still getting down the um, how to uh, keep your Sim alive kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because her thing was, okay, I'm going to make Sims. First thing she did was make a make a make a teenage sim because she was like, okay, can't make a kid sim because Kim's kid you can't make kids one and kids can't really take care of themselves, so I'm gonna make a teenager. Um, and then she's like, but she's lonely, so she made another teenager, right? So she's going through and she's going through all of these emotions because the Sims are not getting along, they're unhappy, she's not you know keeping up their social uh, their social levels, so like all kinds of like havoc kind of starts to break out in the in the game and then of course then comes the issue of i'm like okay so what are you gonna do now it's like bills are piling up they're gonna come and they're gonna take all your shit um because you know she's got teens and they won't send the teens to work in the sims so she does something that i think is totally and completely hilarious she goes back into her sim maker and she makes me <laughs> not just a she specifically makes me and puts me in the house and I said oh wow you made me why you put me in the house she was like somebody's got to go to work <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> so she, she made me to but then at the same time I'm like okay so what else she was like okay so she was like but my sims were unhappy she was like so she's like yes I made you because somebody has to go to work because we can't go to work and we need money She's like, and I need to buy more things because she kept redesigning the entire house. Um, but she was also like, she's like, and they're always sad. She was like, so I figured if they had a mama in the game, that there would be somebody there to make them feel better, right? These are things that I think when folk, when the when the developers were making the game didn't think about somebody coming in and saying, I'm going to make a house full of teenagers. Um, but then at the same time, we need to be able to inject some kind of positive emotional influence into the game. So by being able to throw an adult into the mix and do that, I mean, yes, the game itself mechanically is set up to do that kind of thing. But 
because her life experiences are different and she's coming at it from a different vantage point of I want to be the I want to be a teenager and I'm pretty sure when I'm a teenager I can live in my own house by myself um, kind of thing is is something that doesn't get considered early on right because otherwise they would say okay you have a teenager and that child can't live in a house by itself um, but it it was allowable so she had to find her own fixes and then she had to think about why she had those fixes which is pretty interesting as a, cause that's an emotional experience I never had playing the Sims. Okay. I'm gonna admit I'm a horrible human being. One of the things I used to do when I would play the Sims like a lot is, is I would go and I would say, Oh wow, I really like that house. And then I would go in and I would like romance somebody living in that house, move into the house and kill them all. Oh, you were one of them. <laughs> cause I wanted their house. Uh, <laughs> and I'm a horrible human being. Um, of course, then you get haunted, but you know what? You could have just moved them out and moved them to a smaller house, you know, and bought the house. No, it was just, it was more fun to just go ahead and kill them because then I got everything for free. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but so, I mean, it, it's interesting because I tend to get so emotionally invested in other games that I have no emotional investment in the sin. And I've been, and The Sims is a game I started playing at launch, like in, I think it came out in 99, because I was writing my dissertation and I used The Sims in the same way that, that, you, that you guys are talking about using other games that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to play, you know, one match or I'm going to play one day and then I'm going to do this. I did the same thing when I was writing my dissertation. It was like, so if I could write five pages, I can play an hour or two of The Sims or whatever, whatever I was giving myself as a carrot on a stick that day. Um, so I've been playing Sims for a long time, um, but I've never had any real emotional attachment to the offline version of the game. But I'm not going to talk about the online version of the game yet or at all, maybe. But that was different because there are people behind those Sims. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And apparently my kid is not the sociopath I am. I feel like this is a topic I could go on for hours because I can't play a video game without getting emotionally attached to it. Same though. Same though. <laughs> but like, not like Sailor Moon drops or whatever. Though I like, it's a Sailor Moon, so you're going through the story or whatever. But like, anything with any semblance of a tiny plot, like Don't Starve, I have emotional attachment to. Right? Like, like, and so. I'm horrible, I, I, but I, I know where this came from, and I think it's actually started with like The Sims and Roller Coaster Tycoon, like when you could kill people accidentally, mm -hmm. and like I started to develop like guilt in that, and I was, I was very like, I want everyone to be happy, but also like growing up, like being emotional outwardly was like, it, and this is what I was like trying to figure out like my transness, right? But everyone was always like, it's so girly that you're so emotional. Mm -hmm. And like you don't have a reason to be this emotional and everything. And so I think I use games as an excuse to be emotional. It's like, well, what just happened was sad. So I can cry because that was devastating, right? Um, and so I feel like now I use this as an excuse for when I cannot feel emotions due to like whatever mental state I am in, I go play a game that I am deadly emotionally invested in just to feel some sort of emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's it's just always interesting to see what emotion elicits from the game, like 
the first ending. My partner had played it so many times, and he, instead of watching the ending, that was watching me, because apparently this is the only game he's ever cried to, and learning that at the end, because in the like articles I talk about his emotional dissonance from things, so learning that he had cried from this, he was waiting to see like me cry, and he was going to be there to um, comfort me, because he knew that I was going to be more emotionally attached to, the, to this game than he was. And um, I didn't cry, and he was shocked because I just started screaming, like in rage. I was really, really mad. And so he had been like really close, ready to hug me, and he like jumped back because he was like, why, why are you reacting this way? Because you're supposed to be sad. And I had just swung so far past sad to like pissed that I just started the game over immediately to get to the next ending because I couldn't stand the ending. Like it was just, it hurt so badly that I couldn't even be sad. I had to just go and fix it. And it was interesting because this was the emo like he had had this strong emotional response for him like just you know even admitting that he, he had cried to this that like he couldn't fathom any other emotional response to the end of this game right um and so that was a learning experience for the two of us because we realized that like grief how we experience grief is immediately very different when we can get to that level um i lost where i was going with that i'm sorry <laughs> No, I think it's it's really interesting when you talk about like using games as a way to process emotions. Yeah. Especially I feel like that's something that I've been doing for years and I've written about that a little on the blog, but I've also just been thinking about it a whole bunch and the thing that I always come back to with that is my reaction to Mass Effect actually. Mass Effect ruined my life in the best way because it helped me actually feel everything that I was feeling when I was dealing with all of my medical bullshit a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember distinctly getting to the end of Mass Effect 3, which this was before they released the super fancy extended cut or whatever, so I was there with just the basic ending, but at the same time, I'd spent that whole game just like pouring my entire existence into trying to keep this galaxy alive and trying to help my friends. Mm -hmm. And so getting to that point, I was just sobbing. I was a complete emotional wreck, but I wasn't necessarily all that upset. It was like it was cathartic to just get to that point after all of the fighting and all of the exhaustion and it just felt so much like those days where I had to say I had to wake up at 4 a.m. because at 7 a.m. I had to go in for a sleep deprivation test where they like stick electrodes on your head and then they flash a bunch of lights in you to test and see if you're gonna have seizures and so because you have to be sleep deprived you're just exhausted and then the very same day I had to get an MRI like 12 hours later so I was exhausted I was miserable everything was terrible and I just felt like this huge slog trying to get through my existence and I still had to go to work the next day but I remember you know I had this little note that I'd keep next to my phone that which was where my alarm was that just said you know if Commander Shepard can save the galaxy and you can get out of bed today and so finally playing through that game the culmination of that was so emotional for me I just and I don't really cry much anymore. It's been a long time since I've cried regularly, but that was one of those times where it just, you know, it didn't matter how repressed or anything was going on. It was like, nope, I'm gonna cry, and I'm gonna cry a lot, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, having some feelings over here, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Same though. <laughs> we should place bets on who's gonna cry first. I feel like I might actually cry if we talk too much about games and emotions. I'm not crying. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, this is the one time when I'll, I'll be a little bit more stoic. There have certainly been games that have given me really strong emotional experiences. 
But, you know, honestly, and I think that this is a theme that we're coming to. And I, I guess in a sense, I'm speaking against Isbister, which is not my intention because I love that book. Um, if you listen to the common thread amongst our stories, it's not that the games themselves are necessarily giving us these experiences. It's that we've had experiences and mm -hmm. we can attach them to things, which I think is really mm -hmm. fascinating and maybe where games continue to fall a little bit short mm -hmm. in terms of art. Mm -hmm. that, this is not to say that there aren't games that, that serve to provide emotional experiences. I, we could all list examples, um, plenty of examples. But some of the games that we're, we're talking about, The Sims, Mass Effect, they're, they're not necessarily meant to inspire great emotional responses. But because we're embodying characters, emotional responses are going to happen because we're people. Mm -hmm. I think and this is where, okay. let me just say this one thing real quick. This is where I think some of the stuff that Ismister says is really important about how we categorize games instead of just like saying games is this one monolith, but mm -hmm. thinking about different games and how they function and how they provide these things can be really useful. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you're right because I because I started and and I I wrote about that this week in, in terms of thinking about children in games, mm -hmm. um and my response to children in games. Everybody knows how I'm about kids and games. Mm -hmm. Same. It's like mm, don't fuck with me with kids and games. Don't hurt a child, right? Um, don't give me dead kids. Don't give me harm kids. Don't give me kids in peril. Um, and the way that it, I mean this kind of overwhelming dread that I feel when children are in this situation, even in games. Um, and Spencer talks about the the, the little browser-based game, Hush. Mm -hmm. Has anybody ever played that game? Mm -mm. It okay, sounds so too talking, stressful. Oh my God. So you're talking about an African mother holding a child and mm -hmm. trying to keep this child quiet to protect herself and her child oh, I would still be a puddle uh, -uh. who will who will kill them just reading that found. gave me anxiety just reading yeah. that gave me anxiety. Ugh, me too um so that I, I i made the mistake of playing that game and then when the game came out they were suggesting to folks that you play in a darkened room right <sighs> fucking why because you hate yourself that's why because you, yes because you hate yourself yeah. that much and i'm like no no clearly this is coming from a from I'm like you know I'm, I'm angry when I'm reading this shit and then there's I'm like clearly this is a white dude saying this shit because no black woman holding a black child or any child period who or anyone who knows the experience in any way or knows the real the realistic kind of danger behind what's going on here right would say to a person to a human to a person who loves a child and feels the need to protect a child, turn out the lights and pretend you're holding your child and you have to keep your child quiet or somebody's gonna come kill it. Listen, I, I just wanna say something small here. Um, Y'all know, but I don't think I've talked about it before. My my daughter, who's almost four, by the way, still sleeps with us. Like, That's okay. She, she will forever, don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, I know. Um, She's getting big, she needs to get the fuck out. Um. <laughs> You know, I still wake up on average four times a night just to make sure she's still breathing. Just to make sure. Um, 
I cannot even imagine. I can't begin to comprehend the idea of of this game and what happens in this game and trying to keep a child silent in a wartime scenario so that you can hide. I mean, there's no fucking way. Yeah. I'm out. Um, it's not about the game, but Sam, you just reminded me of something that happened in your class. Uh oh. Oh no, it's not bad. It's well, it was a it was an interesting learning moment for me looking at other gamers. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the game called Twelve Hours. Oh yeah. I yes. was with. I remember sis, that the two cis folks that was with me, and I think they were both male bodied. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't. I mean, I had picked up on the signals because I'm trans. <laughs> the joke with Lee, right? Like trans beacons, like we can pick up because mm-hmm. this is what you live. But there was the instance when it's like sometimes, like you said, we could all list examples of games that ex- elicit responses because, like, uh, emotional responses, like Undertale, like Last Guardian, these games that are written to. And I don't think Twelve Hours. It was a learning game, obviously, but I don't know if it was. Inte- I mean, it was intended to get some sort of reaction, maybe not, um, like, well, anyway, the 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 two guys that I was with, like, we had a situation where that we were confronted by the police, and um, I had already realized that the main character was a, you know, trans woman of color, and I was like, okay, so we don't run, we do not run, you do not run, you're gonna die, and the two guys were like, we should run away, like, and, like, kind of laughed about it, because they're like, you know, like, what's the worst gonna happen, I'm like, we're gonna die. And like it sobered them up immediately. They yeah. looked at me they're like, "You're not serious." I'm like, "We're gonna die. Don't do it. Just, just comply. Just be quiet." And they like, I got so angry at them, and I didn't mean to. Um, and luckily, these two guys were like, "Oh, oh shit, we fucked up." But like, it was like I immediately was angry because they had no idea, yeah, what they were doing, and like they really didn't. And it wasn't like you know, hurry, hurry, we're gonna run away from the police. It was like, oh, we had no idea. Like, that's a problem. And so I, I guess it, it steps back to like, you know, emotional games as like learning experiences and like this whole like idea of human empathy and how we're getting less empathetic towards other people instead of more. Mm-hmm. And how games that like make you foster this attachment or make you experience situations that are so unlike your own are so important. Mm-hmm. Like 12 hours to me is incredibly important because like I'm I'm not a trans woman of color who's homeless. I'm a you know, pasty, white-ass, non-binary kid who lives in a house, right? Like, I don't have the same experiences. The only thing that I could connect to this character was that I was also trans. Um, But I was, you know, I'm one step closer to her, and these two guys next to me had no fucking idea. And so, like, to them, it was just a game, and they were, like, seeing which ways they can, you know, do the most bad without getting hurt. Yeah. Until they realized what, like, but they realized how wrong it was suddenly and like stopped. But it made me wonder if I hadn't have said anything, if I hadn't been there, right? Like if they had been in a different group or, you know, would they have run? Would they have, and would they have reacted? Like, would they have cared? Would they have known? Let me let me throw a question out there, and I and I think that yeah, because that that definitely falls under uh, is Mister's category of kind of games that inspire activism, right? Twelve the twelve hours game, um, but if so, if we think about these games, right? Because we have as a part of the gaming community, and game developers even have some very real ideas about what 
things games can achieve, right? 12 hours is one, hush is one. Um, the other, oh gosh, I can't remember the other uh, Rwandan game, uh, the game about Rwanda where you have to um, escape the rebel forces while you're trying to go out and find water, right? So you have to hide and, and you're a female bodied person and we all know what rebel forces in Rwanda do to women that they yeah. find. Right. So, you know what that you know, what peril lies ahead. Right. And there's no way to win this game. You're going to get caught. Um, but so when we talk about that and then and also it's Mr. Talks about games like Waco Resurrection. But I'm thinking when I've been thinking more about kind of more mainstream and contemporary games, Mafia 3. Mm hmm. You know I'm gonna bring him off your three somewhere, right? Because I got all <laughs> the feels about that shit. I don't think it was any of the feels that folks was expecting us to have. Um, but when we start thinking about the emotions that get tied to these games, do we do they detract from their intent when we just hand them to people and say, "Here, play this game"? Like Jinx was talking about, you got two sis, two sis, and het proclaiming white dudes who are like, run, it's the police, right? And because of the intersectionality of identities, right? As a trans person, Jinx is like, nope, don't run, that's the police. As a black person, I'd be like, are you out of your fucking mind? You're not gonna run, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you, you, you have, so do we do ourselves a disservice when we put these games out there kind of tabula rasa and say, here, play these games, and you have people who don't understand the depth of the of the intent or the depth of the possible experience? It's the problem with uh, Bioshock Infinite. Yes. Mm. <laughs> or I'm mean, not the problem, I guess, because like they had the intent when they wrote it. Like you can read it, but like the people playing it, right? Or like Bastion, even. Yes, I, um, I think all these people had the intent. The folks at the folks at 2K had the intent when they wrote Mafia Three. I mean, they talked about it, right? You know, in great depth. Here's what we want to. Here's what we want. We want people to to feel the the racial tension. We want people to to see what it was like. But then at the same time, when that game came out, people were like, "Oh, I'm just offended that they keep saying nigger in the game." And it's like, yo, <laughs> I'm offended that they keep saying it. You know, like just in the world, right? <laughs> Turns out that's a thing that still happens. Well, and so here's the thing: is like if you bring up what the intent of the game was, right? Like, you, you get written off as her to her social justice warrior throwing it down the throat. So then they, you know, they just complain. But if you don't bring it up, they don't learn. Right? And if you do bring it up, do they learn? No, they just complain. I mean, that's a huge question, right? My original question is, so, you know, what happens when we just throw these games out there? Because, I mean, yes, when you, when you start Mafia 3, there's that original screen that says, hey, you in for some shit, right? You're gonna hear some language. You're gonna see some experiences, and this is fully intentional because we want you to understand. How many people read that, and how many people understand exactly what that means when they don't have any kind of cultural reference to help them understand? I mean, that's a huge question because it, it makes you question whether or not games are limited in their possibilities if you don't already, if you're not, 
if you're not all already always already invested in it because of your own cultural references. And this I got real feels. This is where I think that we start to see people always want to compare games to movies, but this is where we start to see a real divergence, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, you might have a game like, let's say, well, let's say Mafia Three. Okay, on the face, I'm I'm an average young male gamer. I pick up Mafia Three because I want an action game and I want all this shit. Yay! So I'm gonna I'm gonna do some shit and uh, I'm gonna get involved with some shit. And I'm gonna kill some people and it's gonna be great. But then there's this whole other dimension to the game, and I'm either gonna engage with that or feel it or not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a choice. For some people, it's a choice. I'm just yeah. going to turn that off. I'm going to skip all the dialogue. I'm going to not care. I don't give a shit. I'm going to drive around and shoot motherfuckers. Some people can't turn it off, but they still may not have the frame of reference. Like, they, they pay attention, but they don't really get it. Mm -hmm. This may be the people playing, like, 12 hours, right? They're noticing, but they don't understand the depth. Um, and then you have the people who have a real visceral reaction to this for whatever reason. Right. So with film, you might get some some variance in reaction based on personal experiences. But typically you watch a film because you know you want a certain experience out of it. I'm gonna get engrossed in this story. But there are so many different entry points for games. Mm -hmm. How do we deal with that? How do you play catch up and get everybody caught up to? Yeah. <laughs> like before you can play this, you, you know what? We bring back the old, we bring back the manuals of old. Remember the old, I'm old, uh -huh. so I remember this. Remember the old Ultima ma manuals, like for Ultima Online that were straight up books. <laughs> like here's a manual, you can't play this game till you read this manual. <sighs> right, here's a history book, damn it. 20 question quiz before you start. Can't look the answers up online. <laughs> Because there's a question, like the Konami code, at the beginning of the game. <laughs> Unless you read it, you're not going to know what it is. And it's different for every game, so you can't post that shit on the internet. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, you know, all joking but, aside, that's some real shit, though, man. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't, you can't give a young white man the experience of being a young black man. You can't. You let's you may let's help not limit that to white men. Hmm? <laughs> so let's not limit that to white men. Well, no, I'm just saying <laughs> I, I'm just drawing this this very direct comparison, I right? Know, like snarky. You may well, I know that's because you're being you. Um, you may be able to give somebody something they can empathize with, something concrete that they can see, and that's I think what a game like Twelve Hours is attempting to do. Mm -hmm. Um, in a game like Firewatch, right? is attempting to uh, make a concrete and empathetic male experience. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't provide everything that somebody needs to experience that if they're not ready to experience it. Ready, willing, mature enough. Yeah. Intellectually able and, to. And the fact that games are still seen as like for kids is a problem. Yes. It's a limitation. Yeah. 
I mean, because you know, and I'm to, to to talk about that. I, I'm still astounded because I got I have lots of friends who have children um, of a certain age, right? So you know that eight, ten, twelve age range, and I still get lots of people asking me, "Can my can can my kid play this game? Is it okay? My kid's asking for this game. What do you think?" Right kind of thing, and, and I have to explain. It's like, okay, so so I'm gonna let you. You know, people gonna decide for their to, for their own children what their children can and cannot play. Um, I am a whole lot stricter than than some folks in terms of what I allow my child to play and what I don't allow my child to play. Um, but then, so I have to explain. So so here's what's going on in this game, right? Like. I actually had somebody tell me their kid wanted Mafia 3 for Christmas. Mm-mm. And their kid was like 11. Mm-mm. And I'm like, okay, so l- let me let me break this down for you. <laughs> here's what's going on. Right? Here, here is what we have in terms of racism, in terms of sexism, in terms of misogyny and 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 sexual slave trade and you know, and vengeance and hundreds of years of racial and racialized history. Like, this is what this game is meant to convey. Can your child intellectually engage with this and not just walk in going, hoo-hoo, I'm a black person shooting all these white folks? Because if they cannot, this is something they cannot touch. I had a whole bunch of kids, I'm sure, was pissed at me this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, their parents always go back and say, well, I asked my friend Samantha, and they said no. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, so you have these things. It's like, in, in many ways, I, I, I want that quiz at GameStop. Somebody come up with a, with a, with, with a copy of Mafia 3. Like, wait, wait, wait. Here's what's going on in this game. Can you engage with this? And not just run around and get offended because you keep hearing the word nigga over and over again. Right? Is, is this where you are? Or do you think this is, you know, um, oh, damn, what is that game? Um, I was going to say Grand Theft Auto, but Grand Theft Auto has its possibilities too. The other one, where you run around beating people with a purple dildo. Saints Row. Um, <laughs> Saints Row. <laughs> you know, and I, I got issues with Saints Row, but that's a whole nother. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing, right? Because people are like, it's just good fun because you can beat people with a purple dildo. I'm like, no, you need to look at what the fuck you play it. But I choked anyway. on my cough drop. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Purple dildo. Giant purple dildos anymore. But I mean, Aww. so it was again. <laughs> but once again, I mean, it is, it is that point. I think Alicia made a good point <clears throat> that we it, it is not just what the game intends us to feel or what the what the authorial develop developmental intent was but it is our own subject positions yeah. and our own personal cultural social reference well, the term is like what I we ran into that game yeah sorry I, I ran into that headlong when um uh when last guardian came out right um, I had rotation at work, so I ended up with a Friday off. Um, and my coworkers convinced me to take a vacation day, so I had the Monday off too. So I had like a four-day weekend to play Last Guardian. And uh, when I got back, one of my coworkers was like, "You know, how was your game?" And, you know, like I, we kn- they knew that I was excited for it. And I started to describe what Last Guardian was about. 
and I was maybe 30 seconds into saying, he goes, wait, do you shoot anybody in this game? And I went, <laughs> no. And he goes, oh, I'm not interested. And he just got up and walked away. Whoa. Like, Ugh. And, like, one of the other coworkers was like, wait, what was that about? I was like, I was describing a game that has you uh, develop an attachment to a giant creature that can save your life and shoot magic. But because I don't have a gun and can't shoot people, it's not interesting. And it was just like, to me, it was just, like, jarring because I've been spoiled with the people that I'm surrounded with that I can have, you know, these in-depth conversations about the meaning of games and, like, the emotional empathy that I can feel. And it was just like, oh, I forgot that people exist that don't see anything past bang, bang, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like, and those people will never be right. Like, I don't think you can reach those people with those people. There you go. Um, but, like, but like that... That coworker of mine, right? Like, he literally saw no other purpose of like games than other a way yeah. to shoot people. He's like, I play Call of Duty, I play Halo, but like, I don't play story. Like, I purposely never go into the story mode unless I have to, and then I just like fly through it. And I was like, I I couldn't imagine. <laughs> mm. And it was just like it was just so. It, it's like what Alicia said. It's just like I you know, are they ever in that place? Like, will they ever be in that place? And that place changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something I, okay. And, and this is something that I, I, it just occurred to me as we've been having this discussion. So Bastion came out for the Xbox One, what, last week, week before last. And everybody, I played the shit out of Bastion early on. When it came out, I played, ba- it was, I was like, it's this tale of colonialism. It is this tale of kind of retribution and revenge and all this shit. And I made people in my minority rhetorics class the year Bastion came out play Bastion. And I had people like, I'm not a gamer. I don't give a fuck you gonna play this game anyway, because I want to <laughs> They were like, well, you will be now, congratulations. Yeah, you gotta make your own choices, right? Because here's the thing about choice and flow, right? So they had, mm-hmm. I was like, no, you have to make your own choices. You have to be made culpable for what happens in this game, right? Because I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this, right? So, and it made perfect sense, right? So, when it came out on Xbox One, I was like, well, I played this game like 500 times, like almost fucking literally. I was like, this is all, this is a thousand achievement points I can get in my sleep. So, I started to play it again. And I started to play the game and it did not feel the same, right? Because of where we are socially, culturally, yeah. politically at this moment. I was like, I can't finish this game as knowing I am a colonizer when we are in the process of being fucking colonized. And I got so incredibly sad. I'm not going to be the first one to cry, so fuck you all. I got so (laughs) incredibly sad playing this game that I have played probably, uh, you know, 500 times too much, literally probably 10 times. Because of where we are at this moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't finish it. I did not finish it. I played through getting, getting all the, the, the first big crystals and then I started to go back and collect the shards and I'm like, I'm not gonna finish it. I'm not gonna finish this game knowing that I have to make a decision at the end whether or not to actively colonize and not even because I didn't make the decision to actively colonize in any of my other playthroughs. Never did. 
never even to see the ending, didn't even want to play that shit because I'm like, nope, I'm a black person. I'm not doing that shit, right? But I didn't even want to be faced with that choice. So these are those kinds of things that, yeah, I mean, no, it's Mr. doesn't talk about them specifically. But it's Mr. leaves it open for us to think through those things and to talk about those things, right? And, and I think that that is fucking phenomenal because, it, and I think for a number of reasons, right? Because, you know, I, I would be prone to say, you know what, well, fuck you, you got to think about this, right? Um, but at the same time, you're going to alienate a whole lot of people when you go fuck you, you got to think about this. Oh, well. <laughs> but yeah. that, that's, that's the line between art and not art, right? Is fuck yes. you. Yes. <laughs> oh, well. There's the fuck you line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you might not like it, but you know, you don't have to be comfortable because it's art and it's going to make you think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just gave us our podcast title. That's the fuck you line. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> and I think the, the games that are entertainment, not art, but entertainment. Are the ones that are like, you know, you can play the story if you want to. It's cool. Or you just run around and shoot some motherfuckers. Whatever. And the games that are art are like, no, fuck you. If you, there's nothing else here for you. Yeah. Go play yeah. something else. Look, I just solved like a huge debate in games. I have my PhD now. No. It. God damn it. <laughs> we can all go home. We solved games forever. <laughs> Keep trying to just get that shit and bounce. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I know. It's not gonna happen. But so here's a question: When you situate yourself as "fuck you," you gonna feel this? How do we do that outside of the indie game? Outside the indie game circle, right? Because 2K tried it, but at the same time, they knew that you know with Mafia Three. You still got to, I mean, because you're talking, you're talking, you know, a multi-million dollar endeavor. You can't really draw that fuck you line and expect to get your money back and make a profit. Um, I, I have an answer to this, but ain't nobody going to like it. <laughs> I don't think we're here for stuff we like. We're here for <laughs> stuff that makes us think. All right. I think the answer to that is two-pronged. One, okay. games cost too much money to make. Uh, it's prohibitive to take risks because a game like Mafia 3 probably didn't make back the money that was spent on production. Um, because it was, oh, it was too different from the other Mafia games, which was code for it being too black. Yeah. Um, so do you think they'll take that kind of risk again in the future? No, they won't. There's no reason to. Um, but you can't always open up to audiences that haven't been catered to it in the past and bring in new gamers because they haven't been catered to in the past so they don't trust your shit. And that's a problem. Yeah. So I mean the, the first the first part of that is is games are just too expensive. Um, we've got to scale that shit back a little bit. And the other is that you you just can't succeed with everybody. You can't do it with any kind of media. Well, but it, you know, it's it's all about what they sell in that first week, right? Mm. When it, when the game's still full price and brand new, 
the games industry, the way it functions is so fucked up right now with the fucking DLC and the way games are packaged and pre-orders and digital downloads and I don't know. I don't I don't know that there's any fixing it in in the next 10 years. So we may have to keep certain things to indie games, but you know what? That's not a bad thing. Maybe it's just that we need to make sure that indie games proliferate more. But so here's the problem. And I love indie games. You know I love indie games. Mm -hmm. Mafia 3 couldn't be what it is as an indie game. Mm -mm. It needed the budget it had. Mm -hmm. Right? To have the historical context. To have the to have the collectibles that added to the story to have all of the stories and conversations that you hear on the radio and between between human beings standing on a street talking about racism sexism and any other kinds of isms and prejudices in their day-to-day lives as you walk past them mm-hmm. an indie game could not give that experience and, and and you know what? Another game is not going to give that experience, not for a while, because Mafia 3 didn't do better. Um, so maybe the real solution is to do something more like, you know, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased because I love the game, but something like what Undead Labs did. They made a smaller game, and they built a fucking audience. Well, People who love that game love that game. But it buggy as hell multiple times. And now what are they doing? Now they're releasing a big game yeah. that has a budget. That's what Undertale did too. I yep. was just I mean, I don't know. that's absolutely how Undertale did it. I mean, I, I don't know if we're gonna get another I kinda hope we don't, but like Undertale's that sort of way too. And I, I it may be it may be like grassroots activism, right? You have to start from the ground up. You have to get it crowdfunded and indie game and small cult following that suddenly makes it I don't know. Well, and I feel you. I understand that, but I want shit now. I do too. <laughs> I but, want shit now. I'm not talking about the game. I want the conversation and I want the commentary now. We are at such a fucked up point in the world right now that I want all the shit now. Uh-huh. We I need want it. Something that is going to make people say, "Hold on, wait a minute." I'm a racist, sexist, transphobic, homophobic, xenophobe. And I need to think about this shit. Pipe dreaming, though. I know. You know it. You know you are. I know, but I need it. I know. Okay. Everybody needs it. Seven-year-old black lesbian. I need folks to stop looking at me like I got a third fucking head. Not a second, but a third. And I don't know where that's going to come from because clearly it's not coming from politics. Clearly it's not coming from any traditional cultural medium. I need something that is going to reach folks in some way. I don't give a fuck what it is. And so it it hurts my soul to say, let's just wait. I know. I don't know. But maybe I I want too much of the games. Maybe games can't give me what I want. Maybe the world can't give me what I want. Maybe well, humans yeah, are just I mean, fucked up problem, and flawed. Right? How how fucking long have you have you been able to say what you just said? This is what I want and I ain't gonna get it. Your whole life? 
Fuck up. There's there's nothing else to say about that. It is fuck up. We are fucked up and we're broken. This week, talking to the kids and homeschooling, I was explaining to the kids all kinds of shit because we were playing timeline events. And Sam probably got mad at me because I was telling the kids all kind of shit they need to hear. But I was just explaining. No, they need to hear. They do. Yeah. Uh, explaining all of these different historical events. And they're just looking at me like I got three heads. Like, but... It's like the Freedom Riders. Right. But why does why does this happen? Why did the witch trials happen? Why, why the French Revolution? Why, why did people have to write a document that explained, like, the rights of humans to be human? And, like, because we're fucked up. I didn't say that. No. But... I mean, it, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, because you did the timeline, and and we we've been doing <laughs> because you know we taking homeschooling to a whole nother HJW level. <laughs> We're doing a, a history of social movements and protest songs unit, and I've been reading the kids, of, um, reading to the kids about protest movements, and the, last week we were reading about the Freedom Riders, and my own kid. Who who gets plenty of influx of information about history and and social movements? After we had like read about freedom freedom writers and talked about freedom writers and listened to protest songs like like actually listened to the words and talked about what the words meant, she stopped and she said, "I don't understand." And I said, "I'm sorry. Do you need me to read something again? Do you need me to explain something?" She's like, "No, I don't understand." And that is when I realized that she wasn't saying she didn't understand the book. She didn't understand the song. She didn't understand what we had talked about. She didn't understand how human beings could treat each other that way. Yeah. On uh, on Martin Luther King Day, last Monday, I, I, you know, we didn't have formal school, but I sat down and read documents to my child. And he curled up in a chair and started sobbing. When I explained some of what happened during the civil rights movement, because they can't comprehend it. No. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. I can't comprehend it either. But the shit is happening again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is happening around us. If children can understand that they can't understand because it's too fucked up. Why can't grown folks? It's not comfortable for them. They'd rather just, you know, shoot things and not think about anything else. Call of Duty forever. <laughs> Everything is awful. It's been a while since I heard that. I know. <laughs> I was saving it. I was saving it. I mean, I hear it at least once a week, but that's because we're in empirical theory together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I need another drink. I don't know about you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's where we are right now, right? Absolutely. We just all fucking need a drink. Need several drinks. I need to drink and fall asleep and wake up in a different timeline. I mean... You know, we haven't talked about it, but tomorrow is. Uh-uh. I'm blocking that. I can't. I'm not... I, I can't. 
Don't you blaspheme on this podcast. <laughs> the, there, there are only so many cans that I am capable of having. <laughs> and I am out of all of the cans. But, I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? Is how it's, fucked up everything is. And it's not getting better. It's getting no, worse. It's, not. it's, it's not. absolutely getting worse. Lots of happy-go-lucky folks who are like, how bad can it be? <laughs> you know what? You step into my motherfucking shoes and you tell me how bad it can be. <laughs> I've had that conversation. That was my entire Christmas break was that conversation with my dad over and over again. It's like, I can't, I can't have this conversation with you because I mean, you're in a completely different place in the world. And even though I know you didn't vote for this guy, you're sitting there trying to justify how maybe we'll be able to survive this. And I'm like, dad, you're in your sixties and you live in fucking white bread, Minnesota. You're going to be fine. Nobody's going to give a shit. Maybe if you think about somebody who's not you, you will understand what's happening. You know, here's the funny thing. <laughs> funny <laughs> about all this. There are a whole lot of people who need to think about themselves <laughs> and aren't. Yeah. I mean, the funny example of that are all the people who are like, oh, I'm so glad we're getting rid of Obamacare, but keeping the ACA. Like, no, motherfucker. That's Ugh. That's that's the same shit, and you're fucked now. Welcome to the party. We're all fucked together. But there's also a lot of people who are like convinced that this is going to be good for them. And they don't even begin to know. It's like, do you have, shall we say, nine plus digits in the bank? No, then this shit ain't going to be good for you. No. Wow. Hey, shit about this gonna be good for you. This shit is gonna be good for a very specific portion of the population, and that's one percent or less. And it's going to be horrible for everyone else on some level. You know, maybe I mean games can't solve it, right? Not right now. I mean, nothing. No one thing is gonna solve it, but. I do believe that games will help, even when they're flawed, even when they're not always giving us exactly what we want. I mean, we'll always have Stardew Valley. Motherfucking Marnie was finally there. <laughs> that. I'm so glad. I'm so okay. glad for you. Let me just say, I, I, I have one of my biggest problems with Stardew Valley and emotion is the way... That it's real white? Oh, wait, no, what? No, it's the way that it all gets tied to gifting. Yeah, right? That mm -hmm. is so problematic for yeah. me. Yeah. That is so here. problematic for me. I get so pissed off when I go to give somebody something and they're like, oh, I love it. Like, I'm, I'm in my console playthrough. I'm trying to marry Abigail because mm -hmm. she plays video games and that's really cool. <laughs> um, but everything is about food for her, right? Only certain kinds of food because apparently Abigail also hates all vegetables, which means in my real life, I would never date her. <laughs> <laughs> also, she's like way younger than you, man. <laughs> Everybody is way younger than me. And that, that see, that's also a no-no for me because I don't date folks that are way younger yeah, than this, me. Yeah, it is kind of fucked up. Just like how old are these people? Because she's like at least a teacher, like she has a job, like a career. Yeah, right. 
you know, I guess in the in the real world, I would be dating Marty because she'd be closer to my own age. I mean, I'd just be lying. lining up like everybody else to date Marty. <laughs> you got to do that now for science. We got to see how everybody reacts. I'm there with purple shorts. Uh, Harlan and almost died. I almost died, y'all. You almost died? I was just coughing. Oh my god. Are you all right? Yes. But Lord, that shit caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> I think I needed that after this uh, podcast. Yeah, this this uh, took a turn. Not that I'm surprised, but it took a turn. No, but there is a lot of little things like that that I think are really <sighs> troubling. Um, and I, I like this game a lot. I, I confess, I was wrong. I was wrong about it. I'm oh sorry. my god! Somebody write that down, and we have it on tape. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I say I was wrong all the time. You do not. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Um, go kiss Marnie's butt. Uh, I was wrong. And there are a lot of things to like about this game. It does have some really good emotional depth. But uh, the gifting thing is mm, troubling. Yeah. Uh, I just got to say about the gifting this time around, I'm trying to marry Shane and that boy loves potatoes. And I just feel a deep spiritual connection. <laughs> you know, and, and some of it is, is really weird because I can give, I can give Penny all of the things that other people hate. And it makes me feel really, really fucking bad because I feel like that's a reflection of how bad she feels about herself. About herself. Yes. Aww. Yes. Like it 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 hurts me. Okay, let me just stop for just a second. Ugh. All right, everybody listening, if you did not read Alicia's post from this week about Stardew Valley, oh. I want you to stop and go read that shit right now. Oh jeez. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That was one of the best. Uh, and not that all of your other posts are not wonderful. That one hit me hard. Thank you. Me too. I mean, I'm feeling like feels I have many feels. I'm just trying to like farm and shit, make some money, do this shit that I do in games. Like, let me collect all the things. Let me go steal some shit. Happening, you know, like Penny's mother's super abusive. I'm an alcoholic. And Penny's fucked up because of it. Yeah. And I've, I've, I feel that hard. Yeah, I know. And then after 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 that this week, I, I remembered that I still had like one of the the very first quests in the game, which was to give Penny a pale ale. And I was no, like, it's her I, mama. Yeah, you give not Penny Pam a pale yeah. ale. And I remembered I was like, oh shit, I never gave her a pale ale. Like, because I was always like, I'm not buying this bitch a beer. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna wait till I can make it. Um, and then I made pale ale, and I was like, oh, but do I really want to feed into that? Because, I mean, just because you had me thinking about about this relationship between Pam and Penny. In the end, I gave it a pale ale. I did, too. I didn't want to. I mean, it's a quest. That's the other thing, though, because we have one impetus in games to do the thing we're asked to do. Because you get stuff. And that's what games yeah. are about. Getting stuff. But on the other hand, you're interesting like, if they had let us, like, take it to her, but then not give it to her and have a yeah. discussion. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shane has not Shane. No, it's shoot. Is it Shane? I've forgotten. Yes, the one who's struggling with depression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like really bad. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. the chain. I, I just got that recently, and it was probably not good timing on my part. But I was like, well, hey, I want to switch places for a minute. But yeah, like I don't know. I just I don't think because I played like Harvest Moon, right? Which was the the Stardew Valley equivalent before Stardew Valley came out, right? And like there were I didn't have the emotions as much in Harvest Moon because it was just like yeah, no, just farm really, and you can give everybody things and be friends. But like I don't know. I mean, there were sad points and stuff, but not it wasn't. It normally was around death, right? Or like yeah. loneliness. Like the little girl who lived by herself up in the uh, the big mansion, and you befriended her, and then she made friends with the kids in town, right? Mm -hmm. But like, to see a reflection of you know mental health, like, like, and there's different mental health, right? Like there's the self-loathing, there's the anxiety, there's the depression. Like they they didn't just be like, okay, we're gonna do depression, and one person's gonna be depressed, and that's the only one we're gonna tackle, right? Like they actually like, yeah. There's consideration, yeah. Okay, it manifests a lot, like, okay, so the other person that I'm really, really working on, like being friends with, is Linus, right? Yeah. Because I feel really badly for him. And I mean, my dad was, was homeless, you know, from time to time. Um, I was as a kid because my parents could not keep their shit together. Um, so I really feel for him. I mean, he's like living a life of choice, like just chilling in his tent or whatever. But people treat him badly sometimes. And so I like, to, every time I go past, go to the mines, I take Linus something. I give him a present. I bring him food specifically. Yeah. Um, and he says some of the most devastating things. Like, I can't really trust people. Please don't tear up my tent. It's happened before. And I'm just like, ugh. Or like even at one point where he goes, are you gonna hurt me? Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, you know, there there's so many different angles into thinking about how fucked up we are to each other in this game, this happy little farming sim. Yeah, it's happy little fucked up farming sim. Yeah, the only person who just seems totally fucking oblivious is Haley, who's like, oh, are you grass stained? Like that's so nasty. Hate like <laughs> it's like I hate that chick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. So this this it, we we'd swing back around to fucking Stardew Valley. That's that's how it goes. I'm sorry, it's my fault. If it's you're listening, you're be like, <laughs> would you guys stop fucking talking about Stardew Valley? This time it's my fault. Yep. Put the blame square on me. Yep. It's all you. On that note, since we've come full circle <laughs> <laughs> from Stardew Valley to Stardew Valley, <laughs> all roads and, lead to Stardew and apparently Valley. cross the fuck you line along the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will take our happy our, our happy go lucky self somewhere in drinks until we fall asleep. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yeah. But let me say, thank you for joining us for this, the 144th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer Podcast, where we have talked about games and emotion and all the feels we are having in this in this moment, right? This cultural, political, social moment. Until so next time, 
Well, we have episode 145. If we're still alive. If we're still alive. Hopefully. We, 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 we got to make it through tomorrow, y'all. Yep. So until episode 145, friends, stay warm, stay dry, stay fucking fighting. And as always, my friends, game on. <laughs>